Welcome to the It's Not That Deep podcast. I'm your host Deepak Sharma and on this podcast I learn how to level up in all areas of life from people much smarter than me. You see I'm obsessed with the idea that we should be striving to realize our potential and maximize fulfillment with the one life that we have. Let's not overcomplicate it because it's not that deep. This week I chat with my friend Manuela Barcenas. Manuela is a content marketing manager at fellow.app a meeting productivity app where teams gather to build collaborative agendas, record decisions, and keep each other accountable. Fellow actually was just awarded 2020's Best Ottawa Business Award. From being one of the company's first marketing hires to now managing all of their content, Manuela is clearly passionate about growing alongside this bustling startup. Her role includes running all of their social media, running their podcast, blog, newsletter, and so much more. In this episode, we chat about her experience coming to Canada as an international student and falling in love with Ottawa, along with everything it has to offer. We also geek out on personal growth, productivity, identity, and mindset. This is honestly one of my favorite episodes of the podcast because I feel like Manuela and I could have gone on for hours talking about leveling up. I really enjoy how she shows up on social media with tons of value, so make sure to give her a follow everywhere at Manuela Barcenas. Today's episode is brought to you by Tony Greco's new online health and fitness portal, TG Fitness. Tony is an elite celebrity personal trainer who trains the likes of Claude Giroux, Mike Fisher, and Carrie Underwood, just to name a few. TG Fitness includes programs that hit on all pillars of overall health, which has actually helped keep me in shape during this lockdown. From home workouts to mindfulness, mobility, and nutrition programs, you'll find it all. Just head over to www.tg.fitness and use the code word DEEP to get 20% off at checkout. Today's episode is also brought to you by Deep Digital Media. This is my media and marketing company that specializes in content creation. In fact, we actually built the whole TG Fitness platform and all the programs that I was just talking about before. You see, we shoot, edit, produce, and promote all kinds of content for your business and brand, such as courses, video series, ads, and podcasts. Finally, don't forget to subscribe to the It's Not That Deep podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And it would mean a lot to me if you left a rating and review. Enjoy today's episode and just remember, it's not that deep. Welcome to the It's Not That Deep podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This is exciting. This is super exciting for me. I don't know why I'm so fired up to chat with you. <laughs> I've been following you on social media for some time now. And I first, before anything, before any introduction, anything I have to say, I just love how you do it. You do social <laughs> media you. right. You genuinely put out content that I always find myself stopping and reading and like getting value from. So Aww, that means all, a lot. Thank you. You, <laughs> you kill it with that. But let's give, a, let's give people a little bit of an introduction into what you're all about. You are a content marketing manager at fellow.app and uh, basically manage all of fellow's content channels, you know, the blog, the podcast, uh, newsletter, social media, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but anyone who knows you knows that that's just a title. That's just one of the things you're up to. Uh, and, and you're much more than that. So I'm really excited to sit and chat with you and go through your whole story. Why don't, yeah, we, start, why don't we start at the very beginning? Who is Manuela? What are you all about? Tell me your background and, and let, let's just let's dive in. Wow, who is Manuela? So uh, I have a very, I would say, international upbringing because I traveled a lot as a kid. I moved to different parts of Latin America specifically because of my dad's job. 
Um, so I was born in Colombia, but I also lived in Ecuador for some years. And then I graduated high school in Peru before moving to Canada. So I always say that because of these constant changes in my life and having to, you know, move schools, go to different cities, make different friends, I developed a passion for really like meeting new people, but also fast-paced environments, like places where I can just go and meet new people, do new things. Um, maybe I get bored very easily, maybe. <laughs> but I think it's because of this upbringing that um, I always had to be changing and almost like changing my identity every time I moved places, right? Right. Yeah, no, I, I completely get that. You know, I've spoken to some some uh, people with similar backgrounds where it's just mm -hmm. constantly like having to adapt to different situations. And like, I'm sure you had to go through like, you know, really quickly, like downloading the vibe of an area and like even the probably subtle differences in language and culture mm -hmm. and those kinds of things. But then uh, when did you come to Canada? That's a, that's a great point. Um, I came to Canada in 2014. So when I graduated high school in Peru, um, I actually met someone from uh, Carleton University and they came to talk to us and I saw a picture of Parliament Hill. I always tell this story. I saw it in a pamphlet and I saw people skating on the canal and I thought, huh, that could be me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very funny. A lot of people tell me like, did you move to Ottawa because it's the capital city or because you were interested in politics or maybe because journalism was a really good program at Carleton? And I said, no, nope, I think it was the picture of people on the canal skating. <laughs> That's beautiful. I love that. That right yeah. there is just like, we could chop that up and make that a mini like Ottawa endorsement right there. <laughs> An that's Ottawa awesome. endorsement. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why I feel like every year when, you know, when the winter comes and the canal freezes, I try to go and skate because it reminds me of that moment, I, that moment that I thought, you know what, I want to live there. I want to experience that. Um, and my friends, even my boyfriend make fun of me a little bit because every time I walk by Parliament Hill, I'm like, Wow, let's stop and take a picture. <laughs> and they're like, like you see it every Manuela, day. <laughs> you've lived here six years. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know, I still I still get very excited when I see snow and when I see Parliament Hill. And I think that's one of the wonders of um just being new at a new city, a new country. A lot of things are still exciting for you and things that aren't necessarily exciting for, for the local people, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, a lot of Ottawa locals, you know, really get so used to and take for granted a, a lot of the beauty that is in this city and even around the city. Like there's mm -hmm. there's so much nature, there's so much greenery, there's just there's a lot to really be grateful for, um, for it, sure. you know, over here. But um, I think that's that's a really interesting perspective when you put it that way. And then so What's being an international student like? I mean, I could tell you from my experience, I went on an international exchange when I was in university. I studied in Norway. But mm -hmm. being on the other side of that, you know, I wonder what it's like studying in Canada. What, what was that like? Well, to be honest, I'm always so grateful um, to have moved to Canada because it's such an inclusive and welcoming country. I always say this. Uh, it was so easy for me to adapt because people were so welcoming even when as a first year student, I struggled with, you know, feeling nervous in class because I had a different accent or just feeling like scared to, you know, stand up or raise my hand. I think that people were so friendly and very quickly let me know like, hey, it's okay. No one will judge you for your accent. No one will judge you if you make a mistake when you speak in English. 
Um, so I think international students in Canada are very lucky. I think it's a very welcoming country and I'm always, I'm always going to be thankful for that for sure. That's awesome. And then yeah. talk to me about then like kind of now you've settled in as a student, you kind of, you yeah. have like a friend group and this kind of stuff. Now it's like, okay, what direction is the career going? What, how did you yeah. get into the startup world? Talk to me about that whole story. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun story because, um, well, I moved to Canada to study journalism, right? Because as I told you, I've always been very passionate about meeting new people and just like, just like you, interviewing people and asking questions. I think I got it from my dad every time he hops on a taxi, he has to like interview the driver. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, but I moved to Canada to study journalism because I thought that's what I wanted to do. But then during my journalism degree, I started taking a lot of electives and, you know, like uh, things outside of class um, um, that were related to social media management, a little bit of digital, digital marketing. And then I thought, you know what, I'm all, I've always been very um, passionate about social media. Uh, and I discovered very quickly that digital marketing is very similar to journalism in a way because you can still interview people, you can still write stories about very cool people, but it's just related to a company or to a product, right? So um, I was very curious about digital marketing. So I applied for an internship at Startup Canada here nice. in Ottawa. And the internship was, as a, yeah, I think it was like a digital marketing internship or something like that. And thanks to Startup Canada, because I was writing about these cool startups that were, you know, like coming out or just, you know, appearing in Ottawa and in other cities in Canada, I started learning, oh, maybe this startup world is something that I would like because it's so fast paced and there's like people creating new products. Uh, I thought it was super interesting. So then, I think it was all destiny, uh, I heard about a program called Venture for Canada. And this is a program where um, recent graduates get trained um, and then they get connected to startup companies in Canada. So uh, thanks to Venture for Canada, I met Fellow. I met Aiden, the CEO of Fellow at a Venture for Canada event. And from there, we just like got along really well. And I started working here as the sixth employee uh, when the company was very, very small, we didn't even have a website. Wow. Um, and it's been, a, it's been a good ride so far. So that's the story. Long story short, uh, I always say like after school, I think one of the most important things you can do is first of all, take advantage of those, you know, uh, internships, uh, things that you can do outside of class. Because that was what helped me understand that I wanted to go into marketing and the world of startups. Right. But then like networking, right? And I know that's mm. such a buzzword, but that's how I met Aiden, the CEO of Fellow at a networking event. So I always tell people, um, it's really important to step out of your comfort zone and really like attend these networking events and message people on LinkedIn and stuff yeah. like that because that's how I got my job. Absolutely. And there, there's yeah. obviously incredible journey. Congratulations, by Thank the way. Thank you. <laughs> um, but there's so much to talk about there. I, I just want to yeah. ask you a billion questions. <laughs> so, we, have but, a, we have like an hour left. <laughs> so, but, but basically, like one of the things that, that really like interests me about that whole story is that, you know, you put yourself in a situation where you could be surrounded by these kinds of opportunities, right? Mm -hmm. And that alone takes like a lot of courage and like, you know, kind of stepping out of your comfort zone. But I think like the biggest takeaway here is that 
you didn't plan to get this this uh, to to be the sixth employee at this company. You yeah. know, it, it wasn't like something you sat down and you were ca- so calculated that yeah, this is going <laughs> to lead to that is going to lead to that. No, it's like such a non-linear path and I think the the best part to me about that story is just that you just put yourself in the situation by chasing the things that made you I'm interested in this so let me just yeah. let me just keep pursuing that and this I think this makes me happy this catches my attention you know exactly. when I when I did my internship and I was writing about startups I thought huh that is a cool thing maybe I'll look into the world of startups you know and I think the big thing that is lost on so many like young people including myself at a, at a, at a certain point is wanting like this clean cut answer to like what am i going to do with my life before even tasting and trying things you know what i'm saying because you thought it could be journalism because mm-hmm. of certain factors but because of your self awareness and we'll get to that I mean, all the all the personal growth and development stuff but because of that you were able to like have kind of that conversation with yourself and like oh, you know what i like this aspect of this thing let me go see what i could do here so that's yeah. that's kind of to me like why this excites me so much because um and not to like it's not to put anyone down or anything everyone goes about this a different way you know but having that ability to look at what am i doing and how does it make yeah. me feel like we we overcomplicated so much that's right, that right there is it that's everything yeah and and i understand for for some people it's not as linear or as easy right to find a job that they're passionate about like every single day i i'm thankful for my job because it was the first job that i got after university and i'm absolutely loving it and i know for a lot of people it's not like that um but I think, as you said, if, you, if there's like a gut feeling in you that is telling you, I like this or I don't like this, like do something about that, right? I know you started this podcast because you thought, you know what, I want to do something outside of work. Um, and then this can take you to many other things. So yeah, it's just like following those gut feelings that you get sometimes, but also stepping outside of your comfort zone for sure. Like meeting people. If you're interested in a certain subject, like meet people that know about that and maybe one day they'll get you a cool opportunity. Exactly. And I think the big thing there and, you know, a lot of people that you and I probably interact with think this way. Right. But I think what's lost so much is that we get caught up in the things that actually don't matter that much. Like what's the salary going to be? What's the Mm -hmm. upward trajectory? What's this going to do for my career? You know, and then valid things as well. Things like, how am I going to take care of my student loan debt if I'm at this risky startup? Or Mm -hmm. how am I going to, you know, start a podcast when I, you know, the only thing on the table is this corporate job that wants me to work, you know, 12 hours a day. Like mm-hmm. these are this, it's not that one thing is right or wrong, but it's like actually listening to your gut and your heart. So I, I love that. I, that. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to dive in a little bit about fellow. I wanted to first talk mm-hmm. about, um, you know, your role there currently and, you know, how that's evolved over time and just talk to me about what you do. Yeah, for sure. So as I said, I joined Fellow as the sixth employee. And the funny part is I didn't even know much about the product. I just met Aiden, who is the CEO and one of the three founders. And I think we really like got along since the very beginning. And I thought, oh, you know what? Like, this sounds like a cool idea. He told me, yeah, we have this product that is still kind of in a beta phase. 
but Shopify is testing it. So I thought, okay, if Shopify is testing it, it must mean that it's like a good product. Um, so when I joined, we didn't have a website. So my first project was to work with a freelancer outside of Fellow because we didn't have a designer in the team back then and build our first website. So can you imagine that? I was like a recent graduate. I studied journalism. I didn't even study like <laughs> digital marketing. Hey, go build this website. <laughs> marketing or copywriting. He did, they just told me like, hey, here's the guy that is going to design the website, yeah. but you're going to go and write everything that's going to go on that website. And I think that, that to me says two things. The first one is that I really appreciated the trust that they gave me from the very beginning. Because they, just to a random recent graduate, they were like, go and write all the copy in our website. And then it's also like this concept of when you go to a job, it's okay not to know what you're doing. <laughs> you know, a lot of people are like, they think that when they apply for a job, they like they're afraid that they're not going to know everything. But what I've learned is that you learn everything in the job. So, so yeah, first of all, I think it was a great uh, sign of leadership from the team to trust me like that. And it was also a great lesson for me to just go ahead and do it. So I just researched a ton. I looked at other websites. That's where I, you know, drew inspiration from. And yeah, like when I looked back at that website, like two years later, I was like, oh, this copy is so shitty. <laughs> <laughs> but back then, I thought it was a great effort and the team thought it was good. So we went yeah. ahead with it. And, and I could go, go here for so long with so many lessons that I've learned being in a startup. But I think that also takes me to a third lesson, which is like, sometimes you just gotta put things out there. In startups, I know they have this thing of like, ship it, like ship the feature just ship it fast because then you learn more than if you yeah. wait until it's perfect. Right. Oh, yeah. So like, oh, yeah. yeah, we launched this website. Maybe it wasn't perfect, but two years later, now we launched a website that we're all very proud about, but I'm happy that we did launch that website that now I wouldn't be very proud about <laughs> two years ago. And in, it, it, this is such a, like, there's so many parallels in this and some of the most successful companies and some of the most successful mm -hmm. people out there is you look at their first um, product and first thing that they put out and it's garbage. It's horrible. Yeah. But the fact that they put it out is more important. I think uh, someone was on my podcast who said good is better than perfect or done yes. is better than perfect and i completely agree and that's not to say intentionally put out garbage work like you didn't think it was garbage at the time you were like this is the best <laughs> i could do given the context and yeah. i'm gonna put it out and you know what you guys are trusting me to do this and i love that yeah. word because that's the first thing that clicked in my mind is damn they really trusted her and for that you know another point that you brought up there was the leadership and, mm -hmm. you know, this is something I was actually listening to the Super Managers podcast, which we'll mm -hmm. definitely get into. Um, there was an episode I forgot with who it was. Um, uh, someone I could probably CVC, tell you. <laughs> uh, at the CVC. Or oh, what? yeah. Kir Kirsten yeah. Stewart. Yeah. Yeah. So that one was incredible because she was talking about the difference between being a leader, a boss and a manager. Mm -hmm. And I thought that it was really, really valuable, especially right now with like kind of a mini startup of my own right now. I'm learning how important it is to delegate 
Mm-hmm. but not in like a bossy way. Like it's yeah. like, I am giving you the ownership to do this thing. I'm yeah. going to try to lead you and I'm going to try to make you be a leader in your own respect. And Empowering that's- people with uh, Lara Hogan. Well, we, I could talk about leadership and management for hours, but Lara Hogan is another leadership author that I really like. And she calls this stretch assignments. So giving yes. people stretch assignments, maybe things that they're not like an expert in, but this will help them grow. This will help them develop. And it's also a great way to retain employees, right? Like, look at me. I'm at Fellow. I've been here for like more than two years. And I'm still really happy here because every time, like every week, I get one of those stretch assignments that I'm like, oh my God, I don't know how to do this, but I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's a big thing too. And yeah. it also does take a certain personality type to yeah. respond well to that. You know, some people, um, I, I've also learned, and this is like, this is just now getting into the dynamics of different like Mm -hmm. employees and stuff like that. But it's like some people will want things laid out in a perfect procedure and checklist and stuff before Mm -hmm. you give them that task. And I think just the nature of the industry you're in, you know, being in the startup world there, none of that stuff was established when you're at six employees. It's like now probably there's a lot more systems and you know, when you onboard uh, somebody, things are a lot more cut and dry and it's a little bit an easier landing, but you know, those stretch assignments, they're called stretch assignments because they're stretching you. Like they're, they're (laughs) taking you to that next level. And, and you know, unfortunately not everybody can rise up to the task. So yeah. there's also another side to that as well. You know, for every Manuela, there's a, there's a bunch of other people who hated that kind of environment. <laughs> like, oh my God, yeah. these people told me to make a website. I'm a journalist. I came here. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, totally. And you know, this reminds me of something that Aiden, the CEO fellow told me once, and I've, oh, I'm always going to remember this. He said that it takes people with very entrepreneurial personalities to be successful at startups. Because he says that every person is the own is the CEO of their own department. So, for example, I joined as the first marketing hire. So I was the only person doing doing marketing for like a year and a half, more or less. Um, and he always said, "You're like the CEO of marketing." Like, yes, like of course I worked with Aiden all the time. Every week we would meet and talk about marketing and what we were doing and stuff. But it's like you need to have this entrepreneurial mind- mindset to be able to come up with ideas. Uh, fix problems quickly, right? It's like your own little department that you need to take care of. So um, he said this once, like that people in startups need to have entrepreneurial mindsets. And I think that's very true. 1000%. And I think taking that one step further, and we're definitely like, this could be a natural kind of segue is, you know, not only are you a CEO of like what you're doing or your team, but you're also the CEO of your own life. Mm-hmm. and your own personal growth and development. And so sure. um, why don't we talk about that? I, I saw a long time ago, you posted about this book that I also read earlier this year, um, uh, Mindset, and yes. talking about the growth mindsets um, versus, what was the other name? What was the, the fixed mindset. Fixed mindset, yes. yes. I didn't even let that get into my brain, you know? <laughs> like I was like, growth only. Uh, but... <laughs> Talk to me about some of the takeaways you you got from that book and how that's impacted your journey. So you know what's funny? Before we started recording this, I was telling you that this year I decided to start playing around with my Instagram account and just talk about personal growth. And it was that book that inspired me to do that because I was listening to that book on Audible and I was like, oh my God, I'm I'm so passionate about this. Like I just want to like talk about it more and like 
you know, be more uh, like vocal and out there about this topic. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to use my Instagram to talk about personal growth. Uh, so it was this book. And basically the summary, <laughs> the quick, super quick summary of the book is that people can have two different mindsets, right? A growth mindset, which says that you can get better at anything you set your mind to. So let's say I think I'm really bad at sports. If I have a growth mindset, I know that with dedication and practice and help with the right men from the right mentors, um, I can get better at that. Same with marketing, right? When I joined Fellow, uh, I didn't know much about marketing, but because I had a growth mindset, I looked for help. I reached out to people who knew about marketing. I subscribed to podcasts, newsletters, YouTube channels about marketing. So I think having a growth mindset is just knowing that even if you don't know something or if you're not good at something, you can get good at it with practice, dedication, and mentors. On the other hand, having a fixed mindset is the opposite, right? It's thinking that we are born with a, with a set of abilities and that if I am bad at math, then it's because I was born this way, right? And I think a lot of people, uh, you would be surprised, have this mindset in many ways. Like if you give them feedback about their communication style, they might tell you like, sorry, I was born this way. You know, like, sorry, I get upset at things and I respond uh, aggressively. And I think but the having, big point yeah. there as well is like, it's not just, it's not just like people who have like, like problems or whatever. These are successful people yeah. by all standards. You can be completely, I think they had some examples in that book about um, super successful tennis players or something like that who are at the top of their game who have the fixed mindset because when they get upset, they get upset and they blame mm-hmm. the whole world for their problems um, instead of instead of having the growth mindset and going back and how can I be better for next time? You know what I'm yeah. saying? So yeah, it's yeah, sorry she, to interrupt you. Yeah. Um, the, the author is Carol Dweck. She even talks about this in relationships, right? With friends, with your significant other. Like she says that people with a fixed mindset are the ones that give up very easily in relationships because they think that because they have one or two problems, the relationship is wrong. And I'm not saying that you should always stay in a relationship that has a lot of problems. But what I'm saying is that uh, in the book, Carol Dweck says that people with a growth mindset always try to look for solutions and ways to improve the relationship, right? So um, when I read this book, I thought, wow, like this applies to so many things, like to your job, to your personal life, just getting better at different things, even to your relationships. So that's why I, I'm so passionate about this topic of having a growth mindset. And and it's a it's a it's something I've applied to my life a lot as well because mm-hmm. as much as I want to sit here and tell you oh this Deepak sitting right here in front of you is this absolutely growth minded person twenty four seven who only mm-hmm. ta- only thinks about how to level up and all this stuff that's just a lie it's it's so not true I I have come from a life where I know I I only employed the fixed mindset. And this is someone who, you know, I always thought that you're born with a certain set of skills. You, okay. uh, you're an athlete with a certain amount of uh, athletic ability and talent and God-given ability, whatever, okay. what have you. And uh, some people just got it and they don't. And then, you know, there's been so many instances in my life where I've been proven wrong. And, you know, we were talking about this before the podcast started. Yeah. I listened to a lot of podcasts myself, even before I started one. And I heard so many stories of these people who overcame such, I mean, 
I mean, the worst thing yeah. that you could possibly have and, and mm. overcoming that and all through this, all through the mindset. And so I'm like, yeah. man, maybe some things can be learned because I used to think <laughs> that this is a genuine thing. Even a few years ago, yeah. I used to believe that you can't teach uh, or you can't become an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I thought that you either have business skills and ability or you don't. You're either an employee or you are an entrepreneur. That's it. It's written. It's done. And, you know, I'm, I think I'd like to think that I'm an example of someone who is not that because I've been mm-hmm. programmed my whole life and I've been kind of told and, and a lot of my environmental factors have played a role in me um, not thinking that, you know, I could go can start my own business, yeah. that I could be an entrepreneur. Like, you know, a lot of scarcity, a lot of thinking that things are fixed and then blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But then when it actually comes down to it and you do a, an audit and an analysis of yourself and what you want and how to achieve the dreams that you want in, in life, it's like, no, I, I am an entrepreneur. Like, you know, <laughs> like I, I, I am. At, oh, at, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that you bring this up because yeah. you said, I am an entrepreneur and that's something that I'm also super passionate about and it's identity-based habits and identity-based. Yes, I was going to bring this up, but you beat yeah. me to the punch. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And that has changed my life completely. So two years ago, it's funny, at the same time when I was starting my job at Fellow, I created this, um, it's a private Instagram account. I'm not going to say the username because it's private. Okay. <laughs> but I started it because I thought, you know what? I'm going to start taking a picture every time I work out after a workout. And it's going to feel good. It's like that satisfa- feeling of satisfaction you get after you do something good, right? James Clear talks about this in Atomic Habits. It's like you always need that. What, what does he call it? Like a reward or something after reward. you do something. Yeah. So you have yeah. the cue, the reward and add a, yeah. Yeah. So- So um, I started with this Instagram account and suddenly only like my, let's say 10 or 15 of my best friends follow it, but they started calling me Fitness Manuela because I started posting about my fitness journey every day. Nice. And then this became just like an identity amongst my friend group. And because of this identity, it was so easy for me to wake up every morning. It was like 6 a.m. on a very cold winter day. And I would still go to the gym because I thought, this is fitness Manuela. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, it was yes. an entity that I built. And now that my friend group knew me as this person who loved fitness, then it wasn't as hard to wake up and go to the <clears> gym. <throat> so I love that you said, I am an entrepreneur. Cause I think that when you convince you, yourself that you are something. So that's a funny story. In my case, when I became fitness Manuela, or when I convinced myself, I am a marketer, like I am a digital marketer. I am a content marketer. And since that moment, I've taken it so seriously and I've believed it so much that I think that sparked my growth. So I think you have to believe that you are something. And and that's so true. And if someone wants to learn more about this, I know James Clear talks about identity-based habits and it's such an important topic. Because I love that so much because it's like, and I've never really thought this through, but everyone talks about like fake it till you make it, right? Like that's something we hear all the time. But why not believe it till you make it? Like, why not? Why don't we reframe that? Like, believe that you are X and you will become that. Like, and I genuinely believe that. And it's so, it's it's like a lesson that I almost have to keep learning again and again because, you know, I went through a very similar thing where, you know, I would, um, I, I really wanted to, I always told myself this story in my head that, um, 
it must be nice to be one of those people to wake up at 5 a.m. and uh, and go to the gym before work. Mm-hmm. Like those people have some kind of super gene ability. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how they go to bed so early. I don't know how they wake up so early, especially like you said in the winter when you know the three blankets are just so comfy. You just want to sleep yeah. forever. And I just told myself, you know what? Like, what are we talking about here? I, I am that guy. I can be that guy. Let's do it. And so I just start waking up every day at five. I'd be at the gym by, you know, 530. And every day yeah. I would post this little video. Yeah, your accountability check. My, my little yeah. accountability check. And, and that helps. It, it really does because if you're putting it out there. And this is something that, you know, I've I've almost got into arguments with people about before because people tell me, Oh, bro, like if you have a real goal or if you have something you want to achieve, like keep it to yourself, like you move in silence, like don't let anyone know your next move, all this weird like ego stuff. But it's just like, yo, why? If I'm doing something, why can't people people know about it? And you know what? I might bring a couple people with me. And you know what? Now I feel accountable to them. Because if I don't do it, they're like, yo, what the hell? I did it. I think there's a fine line between between just, let's say, showing your goals and showing off your goals, right? I I think it's it's a fine line. But um, yeah, you just have to like stay very humble and very like genuine. And I think it's fine. I think people have this idea that you shouldn't be sharing all these things, but it has kept us accountable to achieve our goals and people enjoy it. Like I know people have messaged you and they've also messaged me saying like, Hey, you've inspired me to start working uh, out or stuff like that. So yeah, I think, it's a, I think it's a positive thing. And yeah, I was talking yeah. to um, someone else uh, earlier this week um, who also started their own business. And he was telling me, you know what? Like if I can help one person by posting one thing on social media, that's a win. Like if you can help one person, then you, you did a good job. Right. And I think that's, that's cool about posting stuff like that on social media. And that's one of the principles I carry with me when it comes to this podcast. Now people ask me all the time, you know, don't you want to get more followers or don't you like, 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 aren't you trying to be like the number one podcast in Canada or like, yo, like, dude, I think, I think you're up there with X or you should be. And these are all like very well-meaning, like, like, you know, thank you for these compliments, Mm. but that's not what drives me. Like what actually drives me is not things like uh, how many likes or downloads or all those vanity metrics that, you know, do have a role. They absolutely Mm -hmm. have a role. And I'm not going to say that I'm completely, um, you know, I, I, I'm not uh, susceptible to the dopamine rush that I get when I see some likes or stuff like that. Absolutely. Right. But to me, what really matters is like the impact, like if that DM that I got or that like private message somewhere else or that text or that like, yo, bro, I started my side hustle because I saw that you started yours or yo, bro, I just quit my job. I'm like, dude, I didn't even quit my job yet. (laughs) And and you know what I'm saying? So it's just, it's kind of mind blowing. And then now seeing it come full circle where people are starting their own podcasts, that energizes me. That like on those days when I don't want to do this, when I'm like not fully down and like even I'm just like, bro, I need a break. Like I'm tired. That's what keeps me going. And I'm pretty sure you've probably heard about this concept of like 1000 true fans. I'm Mm -hmm. much more after that, 
like having 1000 people yeah. really rock with me than uh, having the um the 250k followers on yeah. instagram and people like liking sure. and commenting on my stuff like i'd much rather have a thousand people that are like yo deepak that guy's cool man i like him i like what he's doing he's cool he's chill like that means more to me yeah i think in uh i've heard this like in the start in some startup books or content and it's it's better to have like your 100 like very loyal customers because those 100 will take you like will bring you many others so just like you said like i think having 100 very loyal followers that really like your content is better than having thousands and thousands that don't really care about it yeah um and just what you said about things that energize you that reminded me so much of sometimes when you work at a startup like not everything is rainbows and sunshine right like it's it can be tough some days it can it can feel like are we going in the right direction? Like, is this company, you know, are we going to succeed if we keep doing this, if we, if we don't do new things? And of course, you have to be innovating every, every day, every week. Um, but when you get those messages, when you get those uh, emails from people who listen to our podcast, people who read our blog, people, to tell, people who tell me, hey, Manuela, this article you put out really helped me give feedback to my team, stuff like that. I think just like you, it's the stuff that energizes me to keep going. So um, I think, yeah, we're very fortunate to like be getting those messages and, and yeah. stuff like that. And I would tell people like, if you're not feeling that, you know, that what you do on a day to day basis has like a mission or something that drives you, um, just try to find it. Even if it's outside your job, right. You could do this in so many ways. Like I know people do it through their personal brands. People yeah. start podcasts outside of work. Yeah. Uh, I think some of us are very lucky to feel that at work like that we have a purpose and a mission but i think even outside of work uh, it's important for everyone to feel that well that's what i tell people right it's like yeah um there's this um there's this notion out there and i've been guilty of feeling this and projecting this as well um that working a 9 to 5 job is is wrong in some way being an employee is not the way, path to freedom and it's like mm-hmm. all this all this stuff right and it's a lot of um it's a lot of just your feed being curated and like you seeing people doing the things that you want to be doing and it's quite frankly envy and it's jealousy but mm-hmm. what what it really what the real compass should be is just like you said that purpose and one easy way that i've found to measure that for myself and it might help mm-hmm. other people is Am I excited to wake up in the morning? Like, yeah. am I like, e- like even though I the day is gonna be tough, even though like some of the things I'm gonna be doing, you know, is grunt work or like not things that I want to do or like I'm not where I want to be yet. Am I inspired up to get up and like let's get this thing going? Or if I started to have a few days in a row where I'm just like trying to get that extra five minutes or just like oh like anything to just not start this day when i start to feel that that's when i know something's wrong and that's when i know Mm -hmm. something has to change and that's been like a good compass for me to be like okay you know what i need to spend some time with myself and check in and see yo what's going on what's really happening why am i not um feeling happy or enjoying what i'm doing and that doesn't mean everyone go quit your job and go like no I, no, no. it's it's about like you could as i said before you could be doing this as a 
part-time thing or as a side hustle or even as a yeah. hobby, right? But just, just have something that energizes you and inspires you to wake up every day because you know you could be doing that. And I love that you said check in with yourself because that's something that I learned this year and it's the value of journaling and checking in with your feelings and, you know, your thoughts. Um, I think it was during the pandemic, like the first couple of weeks where we had to like really self-isolate. I was in Colombia when everything started to happen, visiting my family. And then I had to come back to Canada and self-isolate for two weeks. And it, that was like two weeks of just being by myself with my own thoughts. <laughs> and I started journaling and I've, I've continued doing it since then because it, I've learned so much about myself and, you know, my goals. And like you said, it's so important to check in every day and ask yourself, what can I do to make sure that I'm happy at the end of the day, right? What can I do to make sure that this is a successful day? Um, so yeah, that's another habit that I've, I've developed and I think it's super powerful for anyone who's listening and wants to try it. So I got to say one thing, you're making this podcast so easy for me because <laughs> every next logical thing that I'm going to ask you about, you just naturally bring it up. And this is why I knew this is just good. I knew in my heart, <laughs> this is going to be a banger. So um, you know, you bringing up the the journaling is a really, really, really important thing I wanted to discuss um, in this episode because um, I used to like not believe in any of this stuff. I was oh. very much somebody who was like, "Well, what do I need a diary for?" Like, yeah. I know, I know how <laughs> I feel. Like, you know, like, bro, like I get it. What are we talking about here? But um, you know, earlier this year, and you know, this has been a, an extremely transformative year for myself, but for um, a lot of people, I think, yeah, for a lot of people, you know, and good or bad. And you know, I recognize my privilege in, in, in speaking about this in this positive kind of way, but um, something that's tremendously helped me is just that. And uh, I legit have this like piece of paper right over there, but basically, I print out this, um, this paper where uh, it's my like it's like my uh, North Star for the day. Like it's uh -huh. like, you know, I, I uh, printed out the night before and um, I won't say that I, I do it every single day because I miss some days and sometimes the weekend I get lazy. But yeah. I'd say at least five or six times a week I do this and I print out a piece of paper the night before. And I've tried every method. I've done it on a computer. I've done it in different notebooks. I've, but this is just what works for me. I print out this template and it's got my tasks for the morning three things like like or not mm -hmm. for the morning but for the whole day in the morning i'm gonna or at the night before i'll write three major tasks that i yeah. need to uh, accomplish right and then on the side i have a bunch of like it'd be nice if i got these done yeah it the is nice, what it is nice yeah. to have yeah. i think it's so important so last week i will i had the honor of interviewing the author of a book called indistractable it's a really okay. good book anyone wants to read it uh, his name is Niriel. Um, and he's a time management and productivity expert. And I was so impressed by all his advice. And one of those tips were, um, or was to basically don't have a checklist, just time block your schedule with the two or three most important things that you need to get done that day, right? Because when you have a checklist of like 20 things, the only you're thing gonna you're going to feel <laughs> is get overwhelmed, yep. get stressed, and then you don't know where to start. So like you said, it's so important to have those like two or three things that you're going to accomplish. And that's why I really like uh, the five minute journal. I started using it recently, but it has 
a section for what are the three things that could make this day great or something like that. And I think uh, that's so cool. It's like, okay, three things that if, that if I do them today, I'll be happy at the end yeah. of the day. I like uh, that some a lot. Days, some days that can be go for a walk, finish this assignment for work, and make sure I check in with my family, right? But some days it could be three, day, three things that I need to do for work. Um, so yeah, that's, that that's a great... Yeah, it's a great piece of advice to focus on three things. And exactly. And I still um, have not got this down perfectly. I still think that, you know what, I could do 10. You know, I could, <laughs> I could, I, I, me, I could do, and it, it, inevitable. Every time I come back to those three things, if I could just do those three, yeah. I won. I already won the day. And I like your concept of having this nice to have or nice to, you know, if I get yeah. this done, then this is like other things that I could do. But I think it's so important to have like, a short, very short checklist. Um, a funny anecdote, well, not so funny, but an anecdote about this is when I joined Fellow, uh, one of the first pieces of feedback that Aiden gave me uh, was that I tried to multitask and do too many things at the same time. And I think that's something that a lot of, a lot of us do. Um, so he gave me this book called The One Thing by, I think the author is Gary Keller. Oh, um, yes, yes. I got to read this one. It's a, it's a great book because it just changed my mindset about this. It's just like, you know what? Every day, if you have like one thing, what's my one thing that I will accomplish today? Oh my God, I'm going to nerd out. way more <laughs> satisfied at the end of the day if you accomplish it than, you, than if you have like 30 things. And sometimes having one thing will force you to do the thing that has the highest impact or the highest return on investment, right? Yes. So for example, if I think like, I need to post on social media, I need to create a graphic for blah, I need to do this, this and that. And then I'm like, okay, if only I had to pick one thing, what would it be? And maybe it's not all these little tasks that I need to do. Maybe it's like reaching out to someone, calling someone, scheduling an important meeting, you know? There are so many things that you could be doing that you might not be doing because you have this very long list of things that look like distractions like they're almost like distractions or a way to procrastinate on the more important things that you could be doing so long story short i think that if you have this one thing uh it's a good way to force yourself to think about what is your highest priority and what is the thing on your to-do list with the highest return on investment or value that's so powerful right there yeah. because um I still struggle with this, even with my list of three things. I, oh, am, too. <laughs> I am very much a task switcher and I'll do, um, you know, a little bit here and then I, I, I'm bored of this thing and like, let me just go check in here and do this thing and this and that. And I've realized how detrimental that is. Um, and this is where I said I'm, I'm geeking out a bit because I actually, mm -hmm. uh, a practice I've been doing over the last month or so is actually sitting down and taking an extremely harsh audit of everything I'm doing in the day broken into 20 minute chunks. Like mm -hmm. I, like from the minute I wake up and brush my teeth to when I'm winding down to bed. And it is, it is like really hard to look at that after when you have this idea of yourself that I'm a productive <laughs> guy. I'm getting so much done. Look at all these things that I'm juggling with ease or not really just yes. getting done. And mm -hmm. then you look at it and you're just like, bro, I'm doing nothing effectively. I am actually yeah. getting nothing done. I think I'm like, oh yeah, I spent uh, 30 minutes sending out an email. Or like, you know, I did this and I, you know, I went to the gym and then I called my mom yeah. and blah, 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 all these different things, right? But 
I did nothing. I actually got nothing. <laughs> like I the thing that I actually needed to do today, the thing that actually moves the needle from my business, the thing that actually like makes this an actual impact. I did everything but that. <laughs> yeah. What moves the needle. I love that. I love that expression. And I think that's the danger of to-do lists because sometimes you feel accomplished because you're like, I did all these things, like 10 things, but then it's like, send an email, tweet one thing. It's like these things that could have taken you like a minute, but because you see 30, you're like, I'm so accomplished. <laughs> you know, yeah. and I know it feels good, but it's better if you have this like one thing that, like you said, moves the needle for your business, for your job, for whatever it is. Um, and we're all guilty of this. Like I'm still guilty of multitasking and of yeah. course, like, we're going through a pandemic. So sometimes you have to remind yourself, like, it's okay to be distracted and worried about what's going on, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think those, these little techniques and hacks are really, really good to know, like block time in your schedule to do things. Uh, yeah. So other people don't block meetings during that time. Mm. Or instead of having a very long to-do list, just write three things that you need to get accomplished that day. Another one for me that I've started trying recently is, it's called the Pomodoro Technique. I don't, I don't know if you've heard about it. Yeah, the I 25 use it minutes. Like, yeah. Especially when I'm feeling very distracted or anxious, you know, like I can't focus. I go to a website, I think it's called Pomodoro Timer or something like that. And I set the Pomodoro for 25 minutes. So it's another way to focus because I tell myself, like, okay, I'm not going to do anything but this for 25 minutes and then I get a break. So it's another good way of, of doing things if, you, if you're finding yourself like distracted or anxious. I like, that, uh, I like that technique a lot. But sometimes when I think about it, because I use it as well, sometimes yeah. when I think about like myself using it, I'm just like, this is kind of sad that like I'm, <laughs> I'm so distracted by my phone or by this or by that that I can't spend 25 and it's kind of like a slap in the face a little bit that I have to legit set a timer to be able to get into any kind of focused work. <laughs> and so something... But you're that, not the only one. Oh it yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I think like a big thing is our phones and like our constant, like we're constantly attached to this device, this thing that is um, always crying for attention and always wants our attention. And that was one of the biggest takeaways from my little audit is I am spending so much more time on this thing, not actually doing anything than I, I thought, than yeah. I thought. And that's that, you know, I can rationalize it and I can lie to myself. Oh, well, I was on Instagram DMing Manuela to set up this podcast. <laughs> so that's yeah. productive, right? But why am I not sending all my uh, DMs to plan things at like a certain time? Exactly, a week? time block every Monday, 20 exactly. minutes, you know? Well, why have I not yeah. systemized it to the point where, where I'm there yet? But you're right. You also do have to cut yourself a little bit of slack. We're not robots. We're not going to be uh, completely have every minute of our, our calendar scheduled. But what I wanted to kind of like one of the last things like I wanted to just overall talk about with this topic. What are some like practical things that you think someone listening to this could really do to start taking control of their their productivity and their time yeah. and, and getting things done because it's such a source of guilt for so many yes. people i think and you know you and me included but i think um you've you've been able to implement some strategy so what is like a practical like start with this and this is what you need to do yeah so many things and i also 
I love learning about this because we're all guilty. I'm glad you asked about this because this is something that I always try learning and improving, of course. I think the first thing I would say is turn on the do not disturb setting on your phone. I think that's so important, especially if you're doing work. And make sure you put your phone in a place where you're not seeing it. So I like putting it behind my laptop so I don't see it. Because just like seeing your phone there, it, like studies prove this and show this. Like it's so distracting. We get anxious when we see our phones and we wonder who is messaging me, who can be, you know, who, who is messaging me and I'm not looking at it. Um, but then systems that have really helped me, for me, time blocking is everything. So at Fellow, I have to juggle a lot of responsibilities. So our social media accounts, our podcast, our blog, these are all very different things. So it demands a lot of context switching. But something that even I recently had to ask Erin, who is my manager, for help with was, hey, how can you get better at this? Because sometimes I get like so overwhelmed by all these things that I need to do and I don't know where to start. And she actually really helped me by coaching me on how to time block my schedule. So basically, if you know that podcast is a, ba a big part of your responsibilities, schedule two or three hours every Thursday when you only work on podcast stuff, right? But then if blog is the, the other part of your responsibilities, make sure every, if you have to look at it every, week, every day, schedule one hour a day every morning to do blog related stuff. So now if you see my calendar, I could even send you a screenshot after, it looks like very, um, almost like uh, well thought, you know, well thought, well put together blocks of time uh, that are recurring events every week. And I know for some people it's hard to stick to the schedule, even if they create one. And this is just a process. Like you need to practice and every week, sometimes I don't even get to the things that I want to do. But I think that scheduling those blocks of time is super important. So what helped me is to bring it down to my three or four main priorities, right? So at Fellow for me currently, that's the blog, the newsletter, the podcast, and I'm missing one right now, funny. <laughs> uh, blog, newsletter, podcast, and social media. So with those priorities in mind, I then scheduled blocks in my calendar to make sure I'm tackling those four priorities or those four buckets because mm -hmm. then it could be so easy to get distracted by requests from your teammates, people asking you for help with other stuff. Well, what happens if in. there's a meeting or there's something that, that, that takes like takes over your slot now, do you well, people, move people the slot or, or is it just like, nah, man, like this is my social media <laughs> blocked out hour. I'm sorry. Don't know I what think, to tell you. I think at fellow, we're very respectful of people's blocks like that. So if I, first of all, our schedules are public, you know, within the company. So if I see that someone has blocked time to do something, I would never book a meeting on top of that. So I think that's even like part of the culture. If you want to build like a, uh, you know, an effective, a productive team culture, teach people to really block times in their schedules and don't book meetings during their most productive times. And I have this coworker, her name is Sarah, and she, she has this blocks every morning called peak productivity time. And we know that we shouldn't be scheduling meetings during her peak productivity time. I love that. I, <laughs> I wish I could be so like planned, <laughs> calculated. I love that. Yeah, I know. I know this can get complicated for some teams. Maybe your team has a lot of meetings. If you work in sales, for example, it's like up to your prospects to schedule those meetings with you, right? It's not up to you. 
Um, but in things like marketing, I think it's fairly, I, would, I don't want to say easy because I'm still getting good at it. It's, um, it's not like it's perfect. But if you have four priorities or four main buckets of work, schedule them as blocks in your calendar to make sure that they're not interrupted by other things and other distractions. I love this. I love this. And I've been actually implementing this myself and, you know, coming back to the journaling that we were talking about, mm-hmm. I, uh, I made it so that every night at 9 PM when I'm starting to get to unwind for the night, I must, I absolutely have to. And it's like even a reminder on my phone. Yeah. You got a journal, bro. You got to do it, man. Reminders are super powerful. Yes. And it works. That's why calendar events are so powerful because sometimes I'm at work and I might be doing something, but then I get this reminder in 10 minutes, you need to be doing podcast outreach or, you know, write the newsletter. Like we have this biweekly newsletter. And at the beginning I I was like all over the place because sometimes I would even forget about it and be like, oh my God, the newsletter goes out tomorrow and I haven't written it. But now I have a block in my calendar, you know, like two hours and it's a recurring event. So I I don't even have to think about it. I just get reminded, hey, in 10 minutes, start writing newsletter. I like this so much. I don't know why I'm geeking out on productivity with you. I'm just, it just fires me so much because it's everything. I think our only currency that really matters is time. And yeah. if you can't uh, effectively manage that, you're living in clutter. It's like sitting in a room that's messy. And can you sit in that room? Absolutely. Like a lot of people do and that's okay. But I'd much rather sit in a room where things are cleaned up and kind of have a place. And that's kind of the same thing with your schedule. Yeah. And I think it's, it's you know, really powerful to block out your time like that. I think it does take a, a certain level again of self-awareness and being able to go back and, um, you know, actually know what your priorities are and i've i've experimented with different ways of knowing what that is but actually sitting down and doing that it's a very powerful exercise you know what i have a i have a tip for people out there uh and it's something we preach at fellow we always like talk about the power of one-on-one meetings with your manager or if you're a manager just like scheduling this recurring one-on-one meetings with your direct reports and this is not about promoting fellow but it's actually about the power of showing your manager what your priorities are because sometimes your manager can tell you like hey no honestly i think you shouldn't be focusing on these five things i think you should be focusing on these three things instead um so i always tell my friends i tell people like if you have a good relationship with your manager i have one tip for everyone listening to this podcast right now and it's if you have a good relationship with your manager which i hope you do um make sure you schedule this recurring one-on-one meetings with your boss where you show them what your priorities are. I know it can be a little intimidating at the beginning if you already, if you don't do it yet, but what you can say is like, hey, I wrote a list of these priorities or these things that I want to focus on for the next week or for the next two weeks. Do you think these are the things that I should be doing or do you have any feedback? Like, am I missing something here? Because sometimes your manager will tell you like, no, you know what? Actually, instead of doing this and that, I would rather, you know, if you focus your time on these other two things. Um, and this is not only a good way to make sure you're working on the right things, but it's also a good way to keep yourself accountable. Going back to those accountability checks and, you know, this concept of accountability. I have a friend who recently told me like, Hey, I've tried time blocking and I've tried blocking periods of time in my schedule. 
but I just can't do it. Like, even if it's there, she, she's like, yeah, whatever. I, I ignore my schedule. But I think it's super powerful to show your schedule to someone else, especially if that person is your manager, and be like, hey, this week, these are the things I want to focus on. Because then at the end of the week, it's gonna, you're going to feel accountable for those things because you already showed them to, showed them to your manager. So I think there's, there's some power there in like showing your priorities to your manager and your schedule. And then, so do you take it so far even as to rev- like setting a time in the week where you review your previous week and you plan your next week? By myself or with my manager? So with yourself or with your manager, both. Yeah. So uh-huh. I do have this, uh, I, I recently started this actually, shout out to David, who's my boyfriend. Uh, he encouraged me to start uh, a Sunday retrospection process. Mm-hmm. We're clearly both uh, productivity geeks. I love it. (laughs) um, Every Sunday, I have one hour of time blocked just to think about my priorities for the upcoming week. So it's a really, really cool way to make sure that I'm focusing on the right things and that I feel super motivated to go into the new week because I do this every Sunday. Of course, some Sundays I do it at 4 p.m., some Sundays I do it at 8 p.m., I need to do this, Manuela. I, yeah. I need to do this. This is something that's missing. It's a missing link in my whole productivity <laughs> uh, tool belt. And it's Sundays. I just, Sundays, I don't know what it is. It's, uh, you know, yeah, you I watch lazy, a lot of football. And it's okay. Yeah, I think yeah. Sundays are the day to recharge. Some people yeah. want to spend it with their families. Some people want to spend it watching TV. But if you could just schedule like 20 minutes to think about your goals for the week, yeah. like what am I going to accomplish this week? It's really cool to go back and I have experienced this the next Sunday and reading it and being like, wow, I did all the things that I said I would do. Or, you know, yeah. it's such a good way to, first of all, feel proud of yourself, but also yeah. make sure that every week you're making progress. And I guess the next level to that is a monthly um, <laughs> Review. I'm not there yet, but I would I would love to get there. Right now, I'm a daily and weekly. So that's that's day, still amazing. Yeah. That's still yeah. like more than most people are doing. But I'm yeah. gonna join you on the weekly, and you know, yeah, what? let's do I'm it. Message you outside <laughs> of this, and you're gonna help keep me accountable for yeah, my. Yeah, I'll send you. Family. I'll send you the template, and it's a great way to just. Yeah. I find what it helps me the most with is a lot of people hate Mondays because. I'm not going to lie, like Mondays we feel tired. We're like, oh, what am I going to do this week, you know? Mm -hmm. But when you do this every Sunday, then you go into Monday being like, I'm ready for this. Like, I know what my priorities are. I've already time blocked them or scheduled them in my calendar. That's like one of the most important parts of my Sunday. Just like, what am I going to do this week? And then scheduling them, those priorities in my calendar. Because then Mondays are way easier because you just go there you sit down and you're like, okay, what am I doing now? Cool. I already planned it, you know? Oh my God. That's beautiful. Yeah. I, you yeah. know what? We're going to talk about this for sure. Um, <laughs> obviously, uh, like I knew, we, we could talk for hours about productivity yeah. and stuff, but let's switch gears a little bit. And yeah, let's, um, let's, let's add about, a little bit of variety. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. 
Um, but we'll do a whole separate episode just on productivity. We're going to make this a regular thing. <laughs> I'm going to have hacks. Pro- yeah. productivity hacks with Deepak and Manuela. We're going to do it. it. We're going to make it a monthly reoccurring segment. I love it. But, um, Check in on our goals. But for, for now, what I want to talk about is personal branding. You kind of mentioned this before a little bit that, you know, you love your job. There's no ill will. And like, you know, I just I hate this place. I got to start thinking of my next move. But, yeah. you know, with that being said, you have taken a little bit more of a serious approach to your personal brand and i see it you're pretty much on every platform that you could be on mm-hmm. uh twitter instagram linkedin and and it's not that you're just on there for the sake of being on there you're active and you're engaging and you're delivering value and this value i have noticed and this is how i started this podcast i love it because it's digestible and it's native to that platform so mm-hmm. talk to us about what made uh, you kind of already talked about what made you you want to think about this stuff but talk to us about personal branding as a whole and yeah. the importance of it to you yeah so um shout out to my friend Regan. i know she's been on this podcast before she really encouraged me to start using my instagram as a just like as a personal branding platform um and i think personal branding nowadays is so important and i'm gonna steal this from reagan so that's why i'm giving her a shout out but she says that your personal brand and your social media channels nowadays are almost like your business card right people will look for your social media when they're thinking about hiring you like believe it or not they're gonna do it (laughs) i've done it a lot of times um to to search for people you know and um, I think it's so important to give like a good impression, a good first impression for sure. But I love that when you when you were talking about it, you said connecting with other people or just like building relationships. And that's something that we often forget. Like it's called social media for a reason. It's social, right? And that's something that I've learned uh, is that you have to be out there, but you have to be willing to connect with people that are also out there and posting content and that's i think one of the most important things you can do i'm not like an expert in social media i don't have like a like thousands and thousands of followers so i'm not saying i'm you know the expert on i disagree topic. i disagree <laughs> and i don't think that's the metric that that's not is, the metric you're right but you know, that um, measures it social uh, media is super yeah. powerful and we've yeah. seen it at fellow so i'm going to give you two two fun stories so Twitter. Twitter is one of the most powerful tools you can find. And I'm going to tell you why. At, like in Twitter, you can message famous people, even like VPs at very important companies. And they're more likely to reply to your message than on Facebook, LinkedIn, or any other platform. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's so interesting. Like so many people are not on Twitter. Like if you reply to someone's tweet, like even if they're famous, they're so much more likely to reply to you. Uh, I feel like Twitter is a very like personal platform, yeah, but you is. also have to be very like honest and genuine. People don't like people that are just there to sell, right? Mm. Um, and a funny story there is Julie Su, who is the former VP of product design at Facebook. She was one of the first employees at Facebook. Posted this tweet saying like, hey guys, I'm writing a book. Um, would you be willing to give me some feedback if I send you the book before it gets published. And I was like, I'll do it. So I replied to her tweet and I was like, Hey Julie, love management, love leadership. If you send me your book, I'm happy to, to give you feedback on it. 
So I got a copy of this book before it was even released, written by the VP of product design at Facebook. We were like messaging each other on Twitter. Um, wow. Yeah. And then thanks to that, like I was one of the first people to read the book. Like I felt like I made a connection with her. Then she, thanks to that connection, agreed to write the foreword for one of the eBooks that we wrote at Fellow. Wow. Uh, so that was <laughs> all through huge. Twitter, which is, which is huge. Another thing was um, we launched a lot of things on Product Hunt, which is a platform that if you haven't heard about in the audience, like uh, basically startups and entrepreneurs launch their products on Product Hunt. And uh, we asked Chris Messina, who is, fun fact, the inventor of the hashtag, <laughs> to hunt one of our okay. products on Product Hunt. Like super random, but it was all thanks to Twitter. So I just, I just think that Twitter is awesome. Honestly, Erin, who is my manager at Fellow, our director of marketing, is like a Twitter expert. So you should also go follow her. Um, but I it do. all comes down to being, awesome. being genuine. Yeah, being genuine. And it's the same thing with LinkedIn. I'm also learning that LinkedIn is a great platform to build connections. So right. we were talking about this earlier, like the idea of you don't have to know everything about your job. Like I wasn't a content marketer two years ago. But I follow so many content marketers on LinkedIn and Twitter. And I'm already like, I've been messaging them. Um, some of them, like we've almost become like social media friends, you know, that we comment on each other's stuff. We collaborate on things. So I think that's the power of networks like LinkedIn and Twitter. If you can connect with people that have your same job or maybe the job that you want and learn from them, I think that's super powerful. Absolutely. And, and I've seen it myself with LinkedIn, not only as a tool to find people to get on the podcast, but at the same time, just connecting with really cool people. And it's mind blowing how full circle it comes. Some people that I just connected with just because I'm like, I kind of like what this person's doing. This is really cool. And it comes around where that person, even before they did like anything like interesting, goes and does something really badass and then they remember you for hitting them up before they were famous and yeah. then i'm just like thanks man i just thought you were cool like i didn't <laughs> i wasn't trying to do anything for cloud or anything and then yeah. you see that from from a business perspective too i can connect with anybody from my city and just chat let's just chat like let's just yeah. have a conversation um from the perspective of even making friends and and just so much connection i'm just over overjoyed with the the time that we're living in because i think social media can be used for such good but at the same yeah. time one of the things that i really wanted to talk to you about and i know we're kind of running out of time yeah. here but um so much to talk about <laughs> so much to talk about we're gonna have to do another one of these but part uh, two <laughs> part two for sure um i think one of the biggest struggles that i personally have when it comes to social media is this almost fear of missing out when mm -hmm. i'm not on other platforms and when i'm not spending more time on linkedin or when i'm like i'd love to grow my twitter actually i i completely agree with you twitter is my favorite social media but mm -hmm. i suck at it i suck at it in terms of the traditional metrics of of growing it and just providing value and like yeah. you know like like connecting with people in, in in a way where you're connecting with absolute strangers right but and then Instagram, I have my issues with Instagram too. It's just like, <laughs> ugh, like sometimes it's yeah, just... It can get overwhelming. Even some days I'm like, 
uh, should I post again? <laughs> and so that's kind of my question is like, you yeah. know, is it good, even good? And, and if someone's not in a profession like yours, isn't it a little bit unreasonable to ask to be omnipresent on all these platforms? That, that's a great question. I think I do it because it's the nature of my profession, like you said. Um, I don't think people should be on every single platform, to be honest. Uh, I think if you want to get started, it's more important to focus on one platform that you think will bring you the, mo the most you know, benefits, whether it is LinkedIn or if you're very passionate about certain topics that are talked about on Instagram. You know, like, I feel like every platform has like, their audience. Um, and I would focus on one. I think, yeah. I'm, I think I have to be everywhere because of the nature of my job. And um, a lot of marketers have to have to do that as well. Right. But I think for other people, it just depends on what you care about, right? So let's say if you just want to become like a thought leader in a very in a specific topic that is very related to your job or your profession, I would go to LinkedIn. Just start posting there, maybe two times a week. I know okay. it sounds like a lot, but it's like start posting things that are related to your professional life. Right. But let's say you want to become more like a lifestyle, you know, like influence, not influencer, sorry, but just like build like a personal brand related to your lifestyle. Maybe Instagram is the place for you, right? To start posting like once a week. Um, but like I said, something that I've found is just like you need to connect with other people. Like it's not about vanity metrics like you called them. I think you will get those followers when you start connecting with people in the platform. Right. So if you follow someone and you're like, Hey, love your content. I want to yeah. connect with you because I want to keep seeing more of that. Then they're more likely to follow you back. Right. But because you've built a connection. Um, and I think that that is why it's called social media, right? Cause you have to be social and you have to put some time into it. But I loved your question. I, I think you don't need to be in every single social media channel. I think um, it's it's something that a lot of people, especially now, are struggling with because it comes back to that fear of missing out, especially um, I think I can speak from, from the yeah. perspective of someone who's a content creator. Um, you don't want to miss out on the people that you can impact on Twitter or on LinkedIn or Instagram. And I have this big thing that I feel like I really missed the boat on TikTok. I'm like, I should have been making TikToks all along. That would have been way higher reach. And I would have been, uh, you know, getting a whole new community, another whole generation of people uh, listening to the podcast and becoming fans and this and that. But then, you know, it also is like, you got to ask yourself like, hey man, like where are my fans at? Where are my listeners? Where are my ideal clients, my friends, my yeah. family? Like, you notice I didn't mention Facebook on here much, but you know, I just don't like, like it's not fun for me to be on Facebook, but there's so much value in that app too for having groups and having, yeah. uh, you know, building a community on there of people. It's still a very good way to go live and, and this and that. But, you know, I just feel sometimes just overwhelmed and frustrated with social media as a whole. It's like um, almost in a way it's like I wish someone yeah. else could just be me for social media. <laughs> 
You know, I wish there was a clone of me for social media and I could be me for this right here. This one-on-one, yeah. -on -one, well, this, this, this two, is what two it means. Things, two things on that. So the first one is people can always outsource social media if it's not their favorite thing to do, right? If you have a business, if you're an entrepreneur and perhaps you have some budget that you could spend on social media and you think it could be impactful for your business, you could outsource it, right? Just have like a social media manager that manages your accounts and maybe posts like once a week or, or stuff like that. Um, but I also think, and it goes, I'm going back to the power of scheduling time to do things. So um, I wanted to experiment with posting more on LinkedIn. So like two months ago, I said a, a time in my schedule every Tuesday morning, I think it is, um, to write a LinkedIn post, almost like forcing myself, like Tuesday morning, 10 minutes, you write a LinkedIn post. Even if it's garbage, <laughs> even if you don't feel proud about it, just post. Oh my God, yes. It has been shown that with social media, the only, one of the most important things is consistency and yeah. showing up. Uh, absolutely, because um, so little people yeah. are actually seeing your content when, when, it when you do. It doesn't matter. And I, I so know if you just really show hard. up, yeah. yeah, exactly. So if you just show up and you're constantly there, the content itself actually, this is really frustrates me, but it doesn't even have to be that good. And you talk about LinkedIn and I, I hate to interrupt you like this, but it no just worries. really clicked in my head because yeah. I always feel guilty that I'm not posting enough on LinkedIn. And I love the reach, the organic reach on that platform is insane. And I'm like, you know what? Let me do like these. And, and look, I'm not pointing fingers at you or anybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but these people who just put corny little... Um, I know what you mean. You know, it's so just like, oh, nice. Like a little, little motivational I, thing. I think, <laughs> I think you have to... I, I know it's, it's hard sometimes. Sometimes I'm always like, is this genuine? Like I'm trying to just like be genuine. And, but sometimes it feels a little forced. Um, for any marketers listening to this, I... I always uh, talk about this one marketer that I follow on LinkedIn. His name is Dave Gerhard. Right. Um, Love his stuff. Posts every so, day. <laughs> he's so, he posts every day, but he's so genuine. Like some days it's like two lines being like, marketing is a form of art or whatever. But you know, <laughs> and that's, that's, the, that's the post. Um, 750 comments <laughs> like people like yeah. you're so smart. I love but he do, gives a lot of value and, and, and I completely sure. get that. Right? But I think example for all of us who are trying to post more to just post like even if it's like one line yeah no it's, it's it's so true we overthink so much and i remember when instagram was even like this i remember back in the day back in the day when yeah. instagram was like you had to put out the best looking photo of yourself you had to have the best filter angles like you'd yeah. only post once a month because it's like <laughs> yo this person put out a post. Oh my God, this sense of love, whatever. It's so different now. We're living in such a different world. But yeah. uh, kind of back to the LinkedIn thing, like just to uh, wrap that up, I posted yeah. the most, like three things you need to know to start your podcast. Yeah. Like just the most, like, I'm like, yeah. let's just see. Let's see what we do here. Oh my God, hundreds of views. That's amazing. Comments, all this stuff. I'm just like, this is incredible. I did nothing. This took no effort, no brain juice, like like went into making yeah. this post. And I did it. And it's just like, and then the things that take, like if I 
chop this clip up. There's a lot of effort that goes into yeah. that. The editor, there's a, you know, you know, dealing and managing with a podcast, yeah. how much goes into even putting one clip out. And it's just like, that might get like three likes. Um, I know what you, you know. mean. And I think, it's in, like, yeah, bro, I, I hate social LinkedIn, media. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I think, um, yeah, just to wrap up the topic of LinkedIn, I've also noticed that the posts that don't have any links, any video, it's just text. Those are the posts that perform better. Yeah. And it's obvious, right? It's because LinkedIn as a company doesn't want you to leave the platform. So if you post a link to another website, they're not going to favor that post because people will leave the platform, right? So it, it makes complete sense. They just want yeah. people to stay there. So just, yeah, as a I final thought, I know, is, I know yeah. it's hard. Like yeah. it's hard to, to try to post everywhere and you don't have to seriously. But if you're trying to, to be out there and almost like build a personal brand for yourself, it's, it can be very powerful. Like, I've gotten a lot of opportunities, even like this one, right? Being on your podcast. If I wasn't posting on social media, I wouldn't be here today meeting you. So I think it has more pros and cons. Um, just find something that works for you. Uh, try to be genuine and don't think about it so much. Like we said at the beginning of the episode, done is better than perfect. Exactly. It's not that deep, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know that this has been an amazing podcast episode. Sorry if I went a little over time. Yeah, I just feel no, like you and me fun. could go. We could just keep keep talking <laughs> about the stuff. I like to end my show with the lightning round uh, with just Ooh, three, three quick questions. Um, and, and so let's just dive into that. So um, if you could distill all your pursuits and passions, all the things that you do into one sentence, like a why statement, what would it be? I'm putting you on the spot here. <laughs> Always keep growing. Always keep like growing. I love growing it. Growing and learning. I love that. I love that. What is one thing that nobody, and I mean like nobody, not even like a stalker on social media knows about Manuela? Oh my God. This and is and, and this, is, this is outside of like your boyfriend, your family and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. But, but I mean, people like me who haven't even really met you, yeah. What is something that no one would know just from looking at your social media and just like, oh yeah, I've sized her up. I know what she's all about. What's yeah, something yeah. that would surprise them? They'd be like, wow. Wow, this one's hard. Um, I don't know. I would say... Are you really that <laughs> transparent with everything <laughs> no, that no, you no. do that people would... <laughs> Okay, how is, uh... <laughs> oh my God, this is not a lightning run, I'm cheating. Uh, okay, I'm thinking a lot about my family, like I, I oh, I, this is a good one. Like I talk to my parents every single day, they call me every single day. <laughs> Some people that's funny, uh, but I have a, an extremely close relationship with my parents. We talk every day and I tell them everything in my day. So, they, so do you have it blocked in a calendar or is it just... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but uh, sometimes I wish I, I blocked it in my calendar because the days I forget to call them, I feel bad. So That's a, that's that's a great fact. answer. That's a great yeah. answer. And you know what? I love that. that that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, last and final question before I let you go today is how do you want to be remembered? Good question. Um, I always want to be remembered as someone genuine and someone who uh, helps other people and has a positive impact on other people. So um, 
I would just, if I had to say it like in one sentence, I always try to remind myself to be a light wherever I go and make sure I'm the light in the room. So like positive, uh, encouraging others, empowering others and being that light for the world. So that's how I want people to remember me. Well, I, I don't think there's any doubts about that. You definitely <laughs> lit up this podcast. This is incredible. <laughs> Manuela, I really enjoyed this. Um, tell people where they can find you on social media yeah. and all the things that you're up to. Yeah, thanks, Dave. This was super fun. Um, you can find me on Instagram as Manuela Barcenas. I'm also on Twitter with the same handle. LinkedIn, as we talked about all the platforms. Uh, but yeah, I'm happy to connect. Always happy to meet other people that are passionate about marketing, personal growth, or productivity. Like we like we saw in this podcast, we're both very passionate about that. <laughs> Absolutely. We could have definitely gone on for a few more <laughs> hours. Um, thank you so much for coming on. And just remember, it's not that deep. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye.